Hello and welcome to Print is Dead. This is episode two. My name is Harry Krinsky. Thank you for listening. Um, today I talked to James B. Uh, James is a fashion photographer uh, living and working in Brooklyn. Um, he's, a, he's a really awesome guy with a, with a unique style and process that he approaches photography with. And we, we talked about all kinds of stuff, the fashion world, how he got into it, um, and what he's doing now. So in, enjoy uh, the conversation and uh, uh, thank you for listening. Very handy, I can tell. I bet you like to read a lot, too. Print is dead. That's very fascinating, Timmy. I read a lot myself. Some people think I'm too intellectual, but I think it's a fabulous way to spend your spare time. I also play racquetball. Do you have any hobbies? Uh, I guess the, what the, the first thing I wanted to know is how you found yourself as a photographer. Was that something you've like, you always knew you wanted to do? Was that something you always like were good at or did you kind of like randomly fall into that? It's an interesting question because a lot, like as a photographer, a lot of people ask me that. And actually like mm-hmm. I'm, Chi- I'm a Chinese, I'm American born Chinese. And like, I'm really lucky because my parents always pushed me to pursue my passions. But I think it's always different than other, like a lot of kids in other Asian families. We have to be lawyers, doctors, but like, because my parents did that, I inevitably wanted to push, push back. So when they told me to pursue my path, <laughs> I was like, I actually want to be a doctor. My parents were, they were so confused. They're like, wait, nothing, none, none of your interests line up to becoming a doctor. So like they, they let, they let me try. And like, I worked at a hospital, uh, but my parents, like from a young age, I've always loved, like, I love like making my own little music videos. Um, so they, I just didn't know at that young of an age and even in college um, of how I could make money doing art. That was like beyond me. me. That, yeah, that was beyond me. <laughs> so I actually majored in like international studies which with a minor in like economics with a focus in economics. Okay. And then one summer I went to live in China and I worked at a magazine. As I, I, Okay, I went to work in China under a photographer I ended up quitting and my parents said, you either need to get another job or you need to come back to the U.S. And then so like I didn't know what to do. So I scrambled like I was walking down the street and I saw this stand, magazine stand. I picked up all these magazines. The first one I picked up was Vogue. I had really didn't know that much about it. I wrote the editor in chief a message on Instagram. I tried to go into their office. Wasn't allowed. Like I saw the DM. And then there was another magazine that I thought was really cool. And I walked into their office and I like asked for an internship. They were so confused. Um, and then I like, wouldn't leave until I got what I wanted. And I lied. I said like, oh yeah, I, have, I definitely have a working visa here. So they, <laughs> they, they, they like turned a blind eye and I ended up working there. And while I was on set, since I was like the only intern that could speak English and Chinese, I got to go on photo shoot sets. Like a lot of the other interns had to just like proofread, but I, I would be able to translate between models. So I was afforded the opportunity to go on set. And while I was on set, I was, I was like, I saw the photographer and how he, I saw like he was interacting with the models, the hairstylist, the stylist, the makeup artist, the creative director, the art director, the prop stylist. And like, everyone was listening to him. And I was like, that's what I want to do. I like want to create beautiful images. And I want, like, I want, because I feel like I have a good eye and I want to be able to put all these people together and kind of like create this vision. And then from there, I moved to New York and that's how it started. Which is kind of a long-winded answer. <laughs> okay, I yeah. have a million questions. The okay, well, first, first of all, 
you went to China to work for a photographer. Why, why did that not work out? Just difference in like, we just didn't really get along to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, He was like an American photographer living in Asia. Also, he was doing stock photography. I don't know. Like, yeah. So actually I was just, I didn't know what kind of photography I wanted to be. And that's why I worked under him. And then I was like, no, like, no, not my interest. And then I went, yeah. But like in college, I didn't know what, what kind of photographer I wanted to be. I was like, if you look at my portfolio now, you would never tell. I was like, I was shooting sororities and fraternities, like when mm-hmm. the girls and guys were totally wasted and out of their wasted out of their minds. Yeah, right. That's so. You know, there's. I've experienced a similar thing where I think when you get into a creative field, one of the te- especially when you're young, one of the tendencies is like you get into the medium, right, oh. and not the kind of sub medium or whatever. You know, I was like, I want to be in podcasting and podcasting and journalism like really aligned Uh, at a certain uh time and so then i was like so that means i need to be a journalist or whatever Mm -hmm. but i didn't want to be i realized you know like at the more and more i was like i don't want to just because it's a podcast doesn't mean you know i want to suddenly be a journalist like that's a completely different skill set kind of like you know just because stock photography is photography it's probably a completely different reality than um different yeah you know more creative fashion shoots okay my my next question is uh, that is the most insane internship story i've ever heard that's like out of a movie did you did you when you say you didn't leave until you got what you wanted what type of like finessing was going on were you like were you just kind of kept I'm. I guess I'm surprised that security didn't eventually just kick you out. Okay. What? What happened? Yeah, I'm surprised too. I mean, Vogue, Vogue, Vogue <laughs> definitely kicked me out. They like were not. Uh-huh. Then I tried to go up the stairs, but they were like, it was like <laughs> on the third. I'm not gonna go up sixty flights of stairs. Then I was like, no. And the other. Wait, is this in your personality? Are you? A, is this? Are you the type of guy who has a kind of? I'm pretty aggressive. Extremely also, stick to itive and all that. To be honest, I love China mm-hmm. because I was just like partying so much <laughs> that like I was I, like I didn't want to come back to the U.S. and like. My parents owned a coffee shop in Ann Arbor and like, that's what I would resort to doing. So I was like, mm-hmm. no, I just, I want to live out my, like this, this other life. So like I had to find a yeah, yeah. day. But when I went to the mag, it's called vision magazine. When I went there, they were just so confused. Cause they were like, no one has ever randomly walked in this office asking for an internship. And they were like, oh, well, if we do offer you this position, it would only be for two days. And I was like, it's okay, I'll come every day. And they're like, but what will you do on the other days? No one's in the office. And I was like, I'll read the press releases and make my Chinese better. And they were like, they didn't believe me. But then, and I, to be honest, didn't believe that no one would be in the office the other days. But then when I started, they like, I, it would be me and like the janitors. Oh, like my everyone gosh. else was out doing shoots, going to shows. So like, I really was in the office, like just trying to understand, like improve my reading Chinese. And I was going through and translating line by line these press releases and then when she to make myself more knowledgeable on the industry in China and the brands in China and then yeah when the, op- the opportunity for photo shoots came they handed it to me and then I kind of just did, started going to all of them and that's like what I really love is just being on set and working with like people from all over the world and just different talent wow you know who like would love your story is like every single is like well my dad oh, <laughs> I like every single like you know, uh, you just got to go march in there and, and, uh, you know, tell them, show them what you're made of kind of thing. But it's, I mean, that's yeah. fucking amazing. It's crazy. It's like when I tell people this story, it's, it's amazing to think that that was me. Cause I think over the years of living in New York, like I've become so much more timid. 
Like I was so oh. aggressive like in college. But now I'm like, if someone told me they were going to do it, I'm like, whoa, that, that just doesn't sound like my personality. But yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what do you, why do you think you've gotten more timid? I think that like, I've just been so like, New York just has a way of like burning you out sometimes, but like, <laughs> sure, I love yeah. it. I love the energy. Um, but there are moments when I'm like so well rested that I feel like, I feel, I, I feel like that energy and strength again, but like recently yeah, yeah. shoot after shoot after shoot. And all I want to do is sleep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Dude. So you, you, one of the other kind of, as I was thinking about this interview questions, I wanted to ask you, it was like, from the outside looking yeah. in, I have no idea what a photographer does beyond, you know, clicks the button. Yeah. And it sounds like you were interested in, it's, it sounds like a photographer does a whole lot more. What is, what are the sort of various aspects that you do yeah. and like what, um, I guess, and also related to that, I'm curious how much of the of the job is technical and how much is creative. Oh, that's a really good question. That's a really good question. Um, yeah, so I like I think when I first started, like you, I thought it was just sitting behind a camera and clicking a button. But I think mm-hmm. as I got into it, so much of it is like really understanding, like first developing a brand DNA for yourself of like your style of photography, and like also once you define it, like finding brands that align with your style, because like let's say my style will not align maybe with like, like a, a crazy girly, girly brand. My style, sure. I think I define it as like more sexy, timeless. So when I want like brands, I would love to shoot probably like Calvin Klein, like Prada, like those types of things. Um, yeah. And a lot of it, there are some photographers. Uh, okay. So yeah. Um, so that's like the creative side. And then, yeah. um, well, and can I yeah. so actually, can I stop you? How, how did you know that that was your style? Like, what was that just the kind of content you gravitate toward? So it took four years. It took a, like a lot of trial and error. So uh-huh. we, as a photographer, you do a lot of test shoots, which are like mo- modeling agent. You show a modeling agency your portfolio, and then you will be granted free models to produce work. And it's through like those shoots that you like do all these test practice shoots that you really kind of define your style and like, you as an artist kind of know what works and what doesn't. Um, and like, also like I have a lot of friends do portfolio critiques. So to get, mm. to get outside feedback. And so when you do a shoot like this, are you styling them, telling them how to, where to look the degree, you know, yeah. what, is it that end to end thing? You're the lighting, all of that's you. So yeah, for me, I know some photographers are different. I like, I like, I like to be in charge of like a 360 approach. So like I'll create a mood board and a styling board and it's just basically a collection of images that I kind of like set the mood or set the tone of the shoot. Yeah, yeah. And then I will like invite a stylist to come in and I will like collaborate. I'll show them my styling board and then they'll also give me their thoughts. Then they will go to all these brands and start pulling pieces. Then like I'll have a makeup and hair reference board and I'll bring like my hair and makeup artist and we'll collaborate in an idea. But like I think the photographer's main job is like there could be all these crazy ideas, but like my job is to really be able to condense them to make sure every piece, the hair, the makeup, the clothes, the poses, the lighting, everything is really cohesive. Because if everything is so crazy and left to their own device, you will like when you look at a picture, your eye won't know where to go. And that's a problem. That like Mm. like when you look at when you walk down and you see an advertisement like a lot of times your eyes will, will go to the clothes like the hair and the makeup are like an afterthought right. or, or your eyes go right to the model so like it's really important i think when i first started even now i see a lot of 
emerging photographers and they did what I did. Like the hair was crazy. I, I like, I makeup was crazy. Posing was crazy. Clothes was crazy. And then like, and then you're like, what are, what are you looking at? Like, I don't even know. Mm. So it took me like three, I would say three years to kind of figure out my style. That's interesting to like get all the like turbo creative energy out. Yeah. So then you could be kind of totally. more refined about it. Yeah. But there is a very technical aspect, like lighting. I thought it was just like you and like one light. And then now we're, it's like, <laughs> it's like TV and film. Like there's a director, but the director has like his whole team of people. And like, I didn't yeah. know that exists for a photographer. So like now I have like my, all my own lighting people. Mm. I have my own like set designers. So it, I think being a photographer is one piece of a huge pie. I think then that, I feel like a lot of my, a lot of people like, um, that aren't in the industry that are my friends didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is interesting. It's, it's, it's a little different than podcasting because it's such like a lo-fi medium. Mm. Like a lot of it is just me, you know, just me and you know, the talent I'm working with, but I am I have, I have as some of the podcasts I've been doing have been kind of moving into video and, other elements mm. of it uh, that's exciting to me because it, it just gets infinitely more complicated yeah. you know you got to get somebody to style it and light it and and thinking about that kind of stuff is is fascinating the the my only kind of like real um interaction with models is is america's next top model. Oh. <laughs> you know, it's like watching like old old seasons of america's next top model and i i always remember thinking you know when i was like 15 16 thinking that i didn't understand the the you know uh, one of the tyra banks would be like you're giving me this and like the look would be this and it's like but i need this and it's you know a, a look that is indistinguishable yeah. to me uh, it, my question is it, it, i do now though understand as i get older that there are kind of like it's important to obsess over the details and the subtleties behind, you know, everything. Yeah. And maybe that's a, a, a smile, you know, a quarter of a millimeter on somebody's smile or whatever it is. Do you, do you have a, an eye for that kind of thing? And are you talking to models about that and have, is it like an ongoing kind of chemistry and conversation that you have? Totally. It's like, it's like a conversation that sometimes like it's, it's an unspoken conversation. Like, I feel like mm -hmm. if, like a lot of times before I do a shoot, I'll do a casting and that's when like I reach out to every modeling agency or I have a casting director and then they'll send like 50 models to a studio and like I will talk and meet with each each and every one of them. And like I will from there like take a couple test pictures and like I will see like our like, yeah, the on camera um, relationship. And then from there, I feel like if you really bond, there's this flow, there's like this unspoken flow of like, they can just sense what, like a lot of times when you know it's good, it's like, I was just about to tell them to do that and they already did it. Oh, yeah. interesting. So you're bonding like interpersonally. Totally. Like you fuck with them as a yeah. person. And the, yeah, that's why I think it's really important for photographers to meet the models beforehand. Um, but like there are times when I do like, when they're a new face, they call them new faces or someone that's in development where you do need to like give them a little bit more instruction like to either like, I always tell them like, oh, to look off or like, to laugh to the side or to be like more serious. I think America's like, I like actually, I've never seen it. So I, and I, until like up until two weeks ago and I just started watching it and like, it's so, <laughs> That's funny. it's so funny. Cause I feel like it's, it's, it's like, yeah, it's just so, it makes, it makes everything so much more dramatic. And I, to be honest, I think yeah, it, I, I wish shoots were like that. 
<laughs> or like photographers screaming. I mean, maybe it is, but it's just not on my sense. But yeah, mm. oh, it is fun. It is really fun. So I I got us very sidetracked. But so when you after working in China, you moved to the U.S. Yes, and or you moved back to the U.S. What um was that? You know, so you'd gotten this experience working at uh in China. Did you go? Were you like, I'm gonna move to New York and get a job in fashion, and that's like my plan. There's no other plan. Yeah. So still, by then, even after that internship, I was like, how am I gonna make money? Like, right. yeah. But I decided, yeah. They told they, they told me a lot of the top talent is in New York. Like, all the best models in the world end up coming to New York. So they were, and all the best mm. photographers, like a lot of them live in New York. So it said, if you want to come back to China, the best thing to do is to go to New York get work experience, and then you can probably travel anywhere you want. So I did that. I actually worked at a marketing agency um, in Soho. And I was a, I was a junior photographer for that shot like luxury hotels. So very different than fashion, okay. but still in the realm yeah, of photography. Yeah. So and like the realm of vibes. Totally. <laughs> the know? realm of vibes. Instead of shooting models, I was shooting people pouring like coffees 50 times. <laughs> like, <Hell yeah>. <laughs> it's a little different. Um, and then I would work there from like 10 to 6 and then from 6 to 10 p.m. I would either work at a video production studio or I would go paint studios. So it was like I was I worked like 12 hours every day. But like oh my it sounds crazy now that I think about it but to be honest it was so fun because I feel like that's what like I wanted like that's the kind of life I wanted to have living in New York. I wanted to be mm. that person that was like taking on every opportunity and then once I decided, like, because it was when you work a full time job and do that, it's hard to do your own shoots. So then sure. I said, <laughs> it's probably hard to do yeah, anything. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I have, yeah, there's a lot of crazy stories. But like, then I ended up leaving that job. Um, and I'm still really good friends with my the head photographer or my boss, and she's a really talented photographer. Her name is Daniela Spector. And um, I left, and I to comp to get for as income, I worked at a restaurant. I worked at a Chinese okay. restaurant for two years. Wow. Yeah. In where? Where in New York? I worked at one in Tribeca. It's called China Blue, and then one in Chelsea called How Noodle. And let okay. me tell you, like I've worked restaurant and like service jobs in like Michigan, but working in New York, people are people are ruthless. Mm, interesting. Yeah, but the I I I worked service in in uh, in deep in Brooklyn in Crown oh, wait, Heights. Where? So I think it was a little bit. I worked at, at this coffee shop um, called Manhattanville oh, in, in Crown Heights. Okay, very cool. Um, but it's so a little a little bit of a calmer client clientele, I, I suspect. I mean, just everybody's happy to freaking have coffee. coffee. So yeah, exactly. Coffee. Yeah, that's nice. I feel like for working at a Chinese restaurant, it was kind of a shock because people, I think when they go to a French or like you know a Western like a Western or European restaurant, they kind of expect they they, they expect there's just this makes. They know how to act. They act nicer. But I feel like when they go to a Chinese restaurant, even though it's more upscale, they still treat the servers, to be honest, like shit. Like, Damn. yeah. And it was really shocking. Um, and to be honest, I just learned a lot because there were so many kids that were my age, but one that weren't didn't have the opportunity to go to college. So they weren't working mm. there for money and to pursue art. They were working there because they needed to pay bills and support their family. And yeah. so like, while this was like kind of an escape for me, a lot of for a lot of kids that that was the reality and those kids became my really close friends so it was kind of it was really hard to see um but like you know a lot of those kids they also have dreams of doing something else um 
Right. So I once I built up enough stamina in my career, I was able to leave. And then I took two of my closest friends who worked at the restaurant. And now they they like they never had any idea they would be in fashion or work in production. And now like that's all they want to do. Wow. Is like, Wait, what do you mean you took that? Like they were, one, you... one is my best one of the one I close to her name is Jane. And she was the manager at one of the restaurants I worked at. And like she, she was a girl manager working at a Chinese restaurant managing all these arrogant Chinese adolescent boys. And I just thought she was able to <laughs> handle it so well. And at the time yeah, I yeah. ended up needing a producer, someone to manage my shoot. So I asked her to start helping me. And she kills it. And then I also brought her little wow. brother, Jackie, who was when um he was a server. And whenever there was like the worst customer, we we would always like the managers would always send him to handle it. He was just the nicest, most responsible kid I know. And then like, but I never want to bring someone with me if they don't enjoy what they're doing. So recently I asked them like, hey, you guys know that like. You guys, if you guys want to do something else, you guys can. And they're like, no, we, we love what we do. We, like, it's unexpected, uh-huh. but they love what they do. And I love working with them. So I, I do hope that, like, I can, like, you know, as my career goes, I can continue to include people from my community, like, that are Asian or, like, other people that work in the hospitality industry um, along with me. I think that's really important to not forget, like, your roots and where you started. Yeah, and I, I mean, I would imagine that that informs the whole vibe of a set with you. Yeah. Like that, it, that, that, I mean, not just, you know, whatever cultural references or like cultural kind of influence, but just the, that these are your people and that you have a tremendous amount of respect for them and their, you know, what they do. And so I, I suspect that, you know, trickles down in whatever ways. A hundred percent. I think for so long, the fashion industry, like when I, I still assist photographers and I have friends that are, um, that also assist. And I think the like two generations ago, there was such a precedence of like being mean on set. Like it was cool to be mean to assistants. Right. And you hear like now those photographers are canceled. And um, I, I think it's, I think it's so cool to be nice on set. Like I think, sure, yeah. I think it's so cool to be inclusive. I think it's cool to have people not only respect me, but respect the people that are on my team. So like, I don't like having any bullshit of bullying on my sets. And I think that energy has carried so well because talent, like we, at the end of every shoot, like we, so a brand new like model or a talent or a celebrity will come in and at the end we'll leave being friends with them, which I think is super cool. Yeah. Yeah. That is awesome. Wow. Okay. So I, I do want to talk about, about the, about fashion media yeah. sort of more broadly, because yeah. I think it, it it seems to be um i well i i suspect it seems to be like really changing you know with with the kind of the you know i tongue in cheek call this podcast print is dead but like i mean i feel like fashion magazines are one of the uh, you know companies that were mo- or like sectors of media that was most you know destroyed definitely. by um yeah yeah or by by um the internet have you, has it been harder to, to find work or has it been harder to, to, um, maybe either find like big budget work or, or stuff like that? How, how have you noticed the, um, industry change yeah. maybe since you started with the, the kind of increasing technology? I think, I think I, like, cause I went fully freelance last year. So I think I kind of started my career 
already at the demise of like print. So, right. but speaking to a lot of my other friends, I think that like while there's a, like a decrease in magazine publications, there's been such an up, like an increase in social media like content. Yeah. So like I think that like it kind of balanced each other out um, because yeah because as magazines like there's been so many more online platforms that are able instead of print like they can share everything online so yeah I've been I've been lucky I've been able to shoot for both print and online publications which has been helpful um, but the only thing that it's hurt I think this increase in technology is that before photographers and a lot of creatives made so much more but because things are so accessible and things are being shot from iPhones and right like there's been such an uproar in photographers like now I feel like anyone a lot like so many people call themselves photographers sure which I don't yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing but I do I was gonna ask yeah, I don't think it's a bad yeah. thing. just like now like I think before there was a standard idea of what a model is but now like anyone can be a model which I think is so great right. um but yeah there's just been such a yeah surplus of, of everything in the creative industry. And so does that, how does that change the way you kind of play the game, so to speak? Like, do you have to network in a different way? Do you have to kind of position yourself as, as, as not just a photographer? Like, do you have to do stuff like that or, or have, it sounds like you are somebody who builds up, you know, relationships with people. And so I would suspect that most of your freelance work is just like people that really fuck with working with you and want to keep working. with. Oh my God. I feel like, you know, me that that's, that's (laughs) that's exactly for me. That's it comes through. I mean, yeah, that that is like one of my mentors told me when I got here, was like a lot of the work you're going to, I was like, should I reach out to all these publications or should I reach out to these brands to get work? And he's like, you can, but the chance of like getting it is slim. Like, a lot of times people get work through word of mouth. Like talent, uh, one, my men, old mentor, Mikel Schultz, he said 50% of being successful is talent. The other 50% is knowing how to network. Like knowing the right people because there could be two good photographers, but if you have a personal relationship with a brand or someone in PR or creative director and they know that you work well, that like you you're very consistent, that you have a good attitude, they're going to hire you. So I think for me, like whenever I go on set, like even when I was assisting, I would make a make it uh, make an effort to go say hi and goodbye to like, assistants, like every level, yeah, every level on the totem pole. I wouldn't just kiss up. Yeah. I wouldn't just kiss up to like the people I'm higher up because at the end of the day, people that are assisting, later they'll move up too. Right. And I feel like they're, I was an assistant, like we're all doing important work. It feels nice to be appreciated. So I think it's been like four years of building my career. And like, I've seen the fruits of like being nice come to fruition now. Cause now people are like, Oh, Hey, I knew you. like six years ago, I was at an event and I met this girl. Her name is Janice. And she was so nice. We added, we asked, exchanged phone numbers, but we never spoke. Even when I moved mm. to New York, we kind of forgot about each other until one day we serendipitously saw each other on Instagram and now she works at Uniqlo and she's uh-huh. like, yeah. And marketing. And then now we're like, we might potentially do a project together. So, Amazing, so it's like, yeah. it's like those weird moments that make it so worth it. And I think, yeah. So I think for me, it's a lot of it is relationship building. No, I mean, my, my biggest break in podcasting came at a house party oh, wow. like in Brooklyn, <laughs> you know, like I was just, talking to the right people, you know, at a fucking house party. And I was like, they were like, we want to make a podcast. And I was like, I produce them. Oh, you know? wow. And, 
So no, it's, I totally, um, I totally get what you're saying. I I do want to say, uh, speak. I didn't even mean to segue it like this, but you mentioned that in China you were partying a lot, and I always associate the fashion world with like this kind of smash mouth, like downtown New York partying energy, yeah. and that like one of the you know I always think like one of the kind of ethoses of New York. I guess I can only speak to menswear, but like New York menswear fashion yeah. is to try to like capture that like downtown smash mouth energy in a way that isn't like either try hardy or annoying mm. or pretentious or whatever. And like that, that, that there are all these efforts to try to capture it in one way or another. Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe I'm full of shit on that, but I am curious how related are the worlds of just like partying and, um, the the downtown lifestyle and um you know fashion photography it's interesting i feel like if you asked me a year ago i would have been able to give you an answer so fast but like uh, it's crazy because like a year and a half like over a year went by and like there's been no fashion week so like that kind of doesn't exist anymore right but, like when i was here it was crazy there was this very like i don't know very sexy sensual energy that came out from the fashion industry like you would see people run from show to show and after shows, like girls would change outfits five times, get out and you would be all these photographers that are just trying to capture these very intimate. I don't know. I never really went to, I only went to a couple of those parties, but I think there is a culture that exists, especially I feel yeah. like it, when I talk to my friends that are models, they, they give me the best mm. insight. Um, some of it's like not, it's like what you hear in the media. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think for me, like I've always kind of been an outsider because I like to, I like to do my job and then, and then like at night, I'll just like be at home watching Netflix. <laughs> Got it. Oh, so you're not, you're, that's not, you're, you're not interested in that. I, I don't know. I love partying in China, I think. But then mm -hmm. I, when I came to New York, <laughs> I became a hermit. <laughs> oh, interesting. That's funny. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, I mean, it's probably, um, Oh, I was gonna say for the best, but who the hell knows? Maybe sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, maybe going out every night is actually good for you. I don't know, but <laughs> I think that after a year, I'm like ready to go out. Like, dude, uh, yeah. Um, who who are people in photography right now that are making? Well, actually, well, I have that question, but what? What shoots are you working on right now, or what have you been doing? I mean, I don't know if you're allowed to say, but what uh, what kind of like work have you been doing? What kind of what's the um? Do you have a kind of like white rabbit creative vision that you're chasing? Like, have you been trying to focus on more? You know, you had mentioned like sexy, sensual kind of vibes. Uh, do you have something that you're kind of a creative vision that you're looking for, or have you been, or is that not really how it works? Is it more of a kind of shoot by shoot no you're right i think a lot of photographers have this overarch our overarching vision that they kind of like weave into every shoot they do um yeah and i think i'm lucky because that kind of sexy timeless mood like when i put my own work out there a lot of brands will reach out to, well not a lot some brands will reach out to me asking me to recreate that style but within their own clothes yeah that's all that's got to be awesome. yeah so that's like, like it feels perfect it's like I yeah I love that so like I've been lucky to work with a couple of brands um that are, I also call my friends like this one Tay Park she's like a Korean designer based in Brooklyn 
another one's Hanwen and another one's like Esther Studio. So like there's, and it's cool because I think when I moved here, I didn't see that many like Asian like owning and designing their own brands. But now there's like this huge, I feel like surge. And it's cool to be part of this movement. And it's cool. Yeah. What do you think created that? Or what do you think gave way to that way? I think a lot of them just were sick and tired of working for other people. And I think that like the pandemic was a time, well, my friend Tay said, I, I asked, she launched her brand during the pandemic, which is like such a risky thing. And I asked, she goes, yeah. oh, this, it was the only way I could launch a brand. She said, before the pandemic, people were out and about, like brands had, could pay so much money to open these, sh- these pop-up stores or these, or these like, like, um, like parties and these dinner. Yeah, yeah. And she goes, I could never compete like that. But when the pandemic hit, everyone was stuck at home. Big brands were stuck at home. So like, it, it was like everything, the playing field was even, which I thought was really interesting. So it gave her Yeah, away. that is really yeah, fascinating. Yeah, it was really interesting. So I think that um, that's why a lot of like the, the, the even playing field helped a lot of smaller brands. And so now I've been working with a lot of those three. Um, I like, sometimes people will pitch me an idea and if it aligns with me, I'll do it. So I recently got pitched this cool story that I'm hoping to get published by the end of May. Um, so we'll see, fingers crossed. Uh, but yeah, I, I kind of take things project by project and day by day. Uh, but if the right yeah. talent or right team comes along, I'm more than happy to like think of like see if that idea aligns with me. Damn. Um, and do you you had talked about how you didn't know how to make money? Yeah. Has has the money? you know, it does sound like you're thinking more about uh, about that question. And I'll, I'll go on a little bit of a kind of personal tangent, which is something that I have found kind of like in this weird, circuitous way to be really helpful is actually thinking about money. You know, like when I, when I first um, got into podcasting, I was like so just focused on like some kind of high creative mm. understanding of like, I'm going to, you know, transcend myself and like make you know perfect art or whatever the fuck but and and it was uh, paralyzing you know it's like impossible to do that right but in grounding myself in like the actual like okay let me just figure out first how to turn my creative craft into money and then see and then go from there i in a kind of backwards way found myself found it it took some pressure off me because i was like well i'm doing this to make money i'm not doing this to to it doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be profitable, basically. Yeah, yeah. And and I guess I'm wondering. Uh, well, and on the other hand, I suspect that you have to compromise with working with brands sometimes, and and you, or maybe not, but but that you have to like um, that a brand won't want something that you think is like really fucking sick, or that a brand you know will want to push you in a direction that 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 maybe you wouldn't want to go to left your own devices. And so I think my question is where has the kind of navigation with, you know, capitalism, making money, all that kind of thing, where has that pushed your, your craft? Oh my God. There were so many good points you made in my head. I was like trying, I was trying to, <laughs> jo- trying to jot them all down. Um, sure, sure. I mean, I threw a lot at No, you. no. You bring up so many good points. I think that like, yeah, you're right. Like with so many brands, there is a fine balance. Like the, I like sometimes I do want to push something a little further than what they want. So there's always a game of compromise. Um, and I think, and what kind of thing is that? Is that like a 
color? Is that like a all, pose? Oh, every like yeah, poses. Makeup. Yeah, you know. makeup, hair, like the set design or like how I edit the pictures. Um there it's there's so many different factors which makes photography to be some people might think it's boring, but I think it makes it more interesting. There's so many variables yeah, that can yeah. change. Um and I love that kind of dynamic. I love that's why like when it's like walking walking into a photo shoot even though if i walk into a photo shoot tomorrow i'll probably be like the 500th photo shoot i've walked in into it's different than any other one i'll walk into which is different than wow. when i walk into a nine-to-five job which slowly became so routine because the lighting's different the hair everything can do the team could be completely different and that's what i love it's like a huge surprise <laughs> i mean yeah, fingers oh, are, interesting and so you yeah. you that's like you like i love i guess that. some people that would ruin their oh, life. Some, my brother was like, that would scare him. Scare him. He's a consultant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But for me, like, I love it. And it's like, yeah, you, you, I mean, hopefully uh, the shoot turns out a success. 99% of the time it does. But there are times when, you know, I one time shot, like when I was first starting a shop for the shoe brand and they really hated the images. And I, I, just, I offered to reshoot everything for free. And like, I rebooked the studio and put, paid money out of my own pocket. And like, that, those are learning experiences though. Sure. Um, but there are times when also, like like you said about money, think about money, like one time this young, this girl that graduated from Parsons, she reached out to me and she had a very small budget that could barely cover anything, but her clothes were sick. So then I was like, you know what, like, let's do it. We did it. And I'm so happy. Like she's become my close friend and she's doing really well now. So I think there's always Hell like, yeah. I think money always plays into the equation, but um, I think Sometimes like when I'm so passionate by like this idea or person, I'm willing to even invest my own money into it. So like, am I, am I rich? No, but like there are times when like, I'll believe in someone so much. I'll work harder on other jobs and invest that money, like on lighting and equipment and stuff for another project. And is it just because you want to be part of their creative vision, basically? Like yeah. you want to hook their shit up and like yeah. work with, or I guess it's, is it that you want to like, hook their shit up and provide your platform and your services? Or is it more like, I want to collab with them because the creative process will be exciting? It's both. Or both. It's both. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. definitely both. And like, so I think, and also like doing, like I think now at the state, like I'm, I'm, I'm not like, I haven't made it. I wouldn't consider having made it, but I think at this point yeah, in my career, yeah. I, have, well, well, I have to be very picky no, go ahead, about like what work I put out because that like could be, like if I put out work that isn't me, then I will, you know, I will push away potential potential clients and brands yeah yeah um, like if, if you're super famous like you can do whatever you want like brands will pay you like i don't know if you saw the Jer jergen teller thing with w mag where like he, sh uh, he looks like he shot yes, people on a yes. brick like yeah yes, you can get away yes. with that and he's still famous but i'm not at that stage yet. Uh, yeah that was i i w felt was very confused I, i'm so i'm confused <laughs> that, i'm a photographer i'm confused <laughs> <laughs> right well i was wondering and i don't you know you don't need you know i don't want you to burn any bridges here but i i guess i can appreciate sort of uh, and for anybody who's not listening the, or who doesn't know about this it is fascinating it's a fascinating test case you could you just look it up but it's basically and correct me if i'm wrong it's this photographer who's very famous yeah. who shoot who shot a bunch of celebrities mm -hmm. um in like a really low budget like almost shitty on purpose yeah. way yeah and i was thinking that it's there is maybe some like esoteric kind of interesting angle there, but I was looking at the photography. I mean, me personally, that's not what I like about photography. I like photography that's fucking cool and high budget and like, you know, whatever. 
did you were did you find any kind of redeeming quality in the like performance art of the whole thing, or were you like, I don't get it? I well, I think Jurgen Teller is really talented. Like I've seen his work that he's done yeah. for brands, and I think he he is really talented. And when I saw that, I think he, I think he did it on purpose because I think he wanted to create that shock value. Mm. So I think like as okay, at some kind of level, I was like, okay, I understand what he did, um, and he got yeah. away with it. But there were some talent that I just thought like it was such a bad portrayal of them. Like mm. the, the lighting was so unflattering. So it was that aspect. I think as a photographer, it's your job to make people feel like beautiful. And like, and yeah, I think yeah. some of the pictures I was shocked. And I just think that like, when you're at that level, there are so many other younger photographers who I think could have had that opportunity. You know, and I, I always think about that too. Um, but I also don't want to disrespect his craft. He is, sure, he does, he does sure. do what he like. Yeah. That is, yeah. I want to respect him, but yeah, it was, yeah, I, I I tried to find a balance in my perspective of looking at the situation. Yeah, right. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, it did again from the outside. It's the only words I had for it. I was like, this seems like a huge flex yeah. to just like yeah. shoot somebody yeah. like that. <laughs> but um, you know, hey, uh, teach their own. Uh, I did want to ask, and we've sort of danced around, mm-hmm. or not danced around it, but like touch on it but the the what you think about um diversity in fashion mm-hmm. and specifically around like the asian community and and i know again you know you are, you'll certainly know more about this than me but i do know that it it can be especially tricky around casting and modeling and like when are when is this um like tokenism and when is this getting the right people for the job right. and and navigating all of that is that how do you go about well how do you go about that i guess on both sides how do you go about that facilitating and creating diversity and then also as a you know asian american yourself like go about navigating that um in your work i think that even from the start um like when i first came and i know like my like even when i first started as a photographer i knew like i didn't have that much power in the industry but I sure. knew that like when I talked to agencies and the more I requested models that were people of color or body inclusivity, like those little conversations, even if I didn't get, get, get them, I knew it would start, it would create a bigger conversation within the agency. So like, I would say actually from four years ago to now, now when I get model packages, they're so much more diverse, which is great. Um, yeah, yeah. Not in, one in terms of body sizes, height, ethnicity so it's it's not just even one facet it's like so widespread so and then i think that for me like when now that i'm in a little bit better position when i do have clients reach out to me and um ask me to work on a project i i have a little bit bigger voice to push for someone or push for someone i think that would do really well for the brand um and i i think it's been really cool because you see like a huge shift like now when you look at like when you walk when i walk down broadway and i look at ads they're not like stick skinny stereotypical people anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I like, I, I, w- I hope that like it is all these little changes that are creating a huge riptide of big change. Um, and then I think in terms of me as an artist, like a lot of times I feel like a lot of people of color, they try to push their identities down, uh, push their identities away. But I think now I think it's changed. I think we're, a lot of us are, are so proud of our backgrounds. We're proud of 
our Chinese, our Korean ties. And we try to use that cultural aspect to, and we try to weave it into our art. So for me, I do cast a lot of Asian models and a lot of my team, they are Asian. Um, and I do, when I have the opportunity to shoot like editorials with my own creative input, I do push to shoot things that are based on my back, my like upbringing. Like when I was in Shanghai, I shoot this editorial for a magazine and it was all about like the two, uh, like the new China and old China. And it was, it was published by foreign media. So I thought that was, it, that, that's been really cool to be able to you to shoot via my pers- uh, perspective and background. That shift you're talking about, about people kind of people of color suppressing their identity and shoots and then moving over to embracing it. That's very fascinating to me. What, when do you like, did, did you experience that shift? Like, was there a time in your life where you were kind of suppressing your Asian identity and then, and, and changed to kind of embracing it like actively or is this kind of just a rising tide in the industry? Um, I think it's not like a more of a rising tide. I would say like more specific examples. Like I have friends that are black models and they would say when they go on set, like before they would always like brands or hair, they, brands would always want their hair to be like so straight, no curls mm-hmm. or like, a lot of times, like you would see on casting things, they would want models, but it, it's Asian models, but specifics were like really small slanted eyes. So it, it's like, I'm lucky because like as a photographer, like they don't look at my appearance and, you know, hire me based off of that. So I think it appealed more to like, yeah, models and talent. Models. Yeah. yeah like yeah. I have a lot of friends who are models and they would tell me this. So I think for me, it was just using my voice to speak up for them. Yeah. Yeah. Clients would listen. That makes sense. Yeah. But I think it's different now. Now brands and like they're more conscious of that. And like you see like people with um, their natural hair or like, you know, a lot of Asian, like the stereotypical Asian girl that they would have hired, like really small face, um, small slanted eyes. Like now there are there's a greater variety of Asian models that you see, which I think is cool. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's so from. like as a white person as a white guy like my the the only you know my perspective on Mm -hmm. all of this is clearly limited the the one thing i think about when i think about that is just how obvious it is that more diversity is better you know like just that 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 it that it clearly if the goal is to have like to kind of capture an authentic experience or capture an authentic vision or capture an authentic vibe or whatever the hell it is like of of course having more diversity expands your reach and the amount of vibes and the amount of touch points and the amount of things that you can capture so i i I mean i'm i'm happy to see that it's trending up i'm happy too and i'm like i'm like i'm surprised it took so long i think there was for so long industries and brands and you know magazines where they were scared to push that narrative because i think for them they wanted to like taking pictures of like really skinny or muscular people was selling a dream. It was selling a dream to all. And like, it was considered like sexy and cool, but like, it's not like only, (laughs) only focusing on one demographic or like one type of person is not. And I think, I think now, I think sometimes I don't good or not. I think brands know that they can capitalize off of diversity. And uh, there's like been that kind of talk in the industry, like, oh, are are they only casting and hiring these people based to make money, or do they really have those brand values? So, um, I mean, 
who knows but i think that yeah, but, yeah. but because there's a greater push for the yeah, diversity and inclusion within the industry, i think i do root for that yeah yeah that makes sense all right well we've we've gone about an hour oh my god I, that was I, fast i oh i'm glad i likewise i mean um uh, hey time flies when you're having fun what um where can the people find you where can people like well, check your workout follow you on social media all that kind of stuff so my instagram is at b-e-e james t and then my website cool. is james tbe.com and are you posting like i suspect as a photographer your instagram is tight sometimes it's sometimes it's my work sometimes it's like thought pictures of me no i'm just joking i'm just joking i'm just joking it's, most of it's just like a visual diary i think um i try to like be myself on my instagram and i like sometimes I, people like oh you should only post your work but i think that like as an artist too like being able to show yourself and your personality is also another half of it that i i want people to see the person behind the camera too and who they would interact yeah, with yeah. so i think that's important for me um but yeah um cool awesome well everybody go follow james go check out his uh hot singles ad too on thank on, you uh, harry on <laughs> hot singles nyc and um well you know thank you for listening <laughs>